Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Unplayable Podcast. Sam Ferris here, and on today's episode, we wrap up the KSC BBL final with Sydney Sixers star Sean Abbott after his side made it back-to-back titles, leading the Perth Scorchers at a rocking SCG last Saturday. We then hear from New South Wales Breakers captain and Australian international Alyssa Healy about the WNCL season, Australia's upcoming white ball tour of New Zealand, and the new cricket doco by Amazon Prime called The Record, which follows the Aussies right the way through their dramatic T20 World Cup win almost a year ago. But we start with Sean Abbott, who has finally finished celebrating after the Sixers claimed their third BBL title. Final ball of Big Bash 10. It's smashed away on the leg side, but it doesn't matter because the Sixers have gone back to back. They are pumped. It's their third title, and best of all, they've knocked off their arch rivals. Cue the party in Sydney. Sean Abbott, thanks for joining us after the Sixers took out their third KFC BBL title, mate. How was the night? Uh, man, it was unbelievable. Obviously, you know, we, we celebrated quite hard on the field and, um, you know, in front of what was an amazing crowd that was by far and away the best crowd that I've ever played in front of. Um, you know, they were just so engaged in the in every contest for the whole game. So, you know, that was, that was an amazing thing to be a part of. Sixers won by 27 runs. You took two for 33. Uh, How did you feel about the game? Did you always feel like you guys were in control after posting that pretty big first innings total? Yeah. Funny you say that. Like we, there was a few of us that said um, before, well, we didn't say anything until after the match, but um, there was a little bit of concern that we, we felt so comfortable before the game. It sort of didn't have the same nerves and feelings, you know, that you can associate with, playing in such a big game. Um, there was a few of us that just sort of felt like we were only ever going to win it before the game, which was weird, which was quite scary. It's like you shouldn't be feeling like that. It can be a bit concerning. But um, uh, the guys started beautifully um, again. Um, obviously, Vinci scoring uh, not another 90. Ridiculous batting. So uh, the lads put on a clinic and then we all know how um, how important runs on the board are in finals. Um but the Scorchers are obviously a team that they're never out of the race. Um, that they do fight and scrap pretty hard. So even though we did have uh, a, a large score on the board, um, we knew that it wasn't going to be over until we took ten wickets or, or bowled that last ball. How about James Vince? I mean, he had a pretty good regular season, but then just decided to take it up three or four levels for the finals. Yeah, I think he's been threatening to do that for a long time now. Um, like even last year, um, he. Definitely prides himself on his performances, and no matter how many runs he gets, he he seems to be disappointed when he comes off. He always feels like he's left some out there, um, and you know you can. It's, it's quite obvious when he's batting how how classy a player he is. He's he's one of my favourite batters to watch bat, um, and I'm absolutely stoked for him that he got the 
the, the opportunity to show his skills and exactly what he's capable of. And, you know, in the biggest stage for us as domestic cricketers, um, being the bash final. So, um, yeah, I'm absolutely wrapped for him. You mentioned the crowd, 25,295 spectators there, a lot of them wearing magenta. You said it was the best crowd you've played in front of, and it wasn't even a, a packed house. I guess those fans have been deprived of seeing you guys play all season. Your first home game was the final. Can you just talk us through what it was like playing out there in the middle of that? Well, nah, it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just so vocal for the whole match, even in the warm-up. Um, lots of kids there, lo- lots of young fans there getting around us in the warm-up. Um, just trying to get our attention and, and get us to wave at them. Um, yeah, I just felt like the crowd was fully engaged in every every contest, you know. And um, you know, if the the scorchers were were putting up uh, a fight, the crowd were getting behind us, you know. Um, you know, come on, Shawnee, well, next over, all that sort of stuff. And at one point there, I reckon the whole crowd was um, chanting "Silky" over that over on the far side there, and um, Silky's. Just mentioned it was actually unbelievable. He said, I'll, I'll never forget that. So, um, yeah, it was quite spectacular. Yeah, I think I had some friends who were there and they said one of the loudest roars of the night was when Mitch Marsh dropped that catch. So I guess you could say it was fairly parochial by the Sixers fans. Yeah, I mean, it was a bloody tough catch and you know, we're pretty fortunate they didn't grab that one because it was a pr- pretty big wicket for us. So, But, yeah, as I said, mate, they were fully engaged in every contest throughout the match. Um and, yeah, when, when things went our way, they certainly let the Scorchers boys know about it. How about this Dan Christian guy? I mean, Tom Brady's just won his seventh Super Bowl title. He's done it for two teams. Dan Christian won nine T20 domestic titles all around the world, so many different sides. I mean, he's just a natural winner. What kind of presence does he have in the dressing room and, and on the field? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's, it's obvious how, how experienced uh, the bloke is and he's coming into a, an already very experienced uh, squad um, coached by a lot of experience in Greg Shippard. But Dan's obviously, it's one thing to have experience, but then it's, you know, another thing to have experience in finals. And Dan seems to be playing in finals every year. Mm. Um, you know, he's obviously extremely comfortable in, in the in the biggest in the biggest games, as, as we saw again the other night. Um, but, you know, being so confident in, in his, Ability and um, he certainly expresses that on the rest of the group, um, and certainly give, makes us feel like there, there's not much to worry about if we go out there and play our best cricket. It will be pretty hard to catch. So, um, yeah, it's an extremely calming sort of influence that he has on the group. Before the match, he addressed the team on the bus on the way to the ground. Can you tell us about what he said and what that was like? No, it was just sort of he went through um, all the all our wins this year and. Uh, went through uh, um, the key performance performers in each of those wins, and certainly made sure he reminded us of his his outstanding performances as well. It was <laughs> <laughs> uh, just sort of a bit of a rev up and a, a reminder of um, you know some of the, the really good cricket that we played this year, um, especially faced with plenty of adversities and 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 not being home and had a pretty tough um, uh, run of travelling. So. Um, just sort of congratulating us on the effort that we'd put in all year and um, reminding us of how well we've played and just, just go out and do it again for one more game. How about your own performance, Sean? Because you spent a lot of the summer in the test bubble, uh, didn't get a, a, a game in the test series, but you've come in for the back end of the season and right through the finals. How was it adjusting having not played so much cricket? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit... My first game back, I was 
against um, uh, the Hurricanes down in Melbourne was probably as nervous as I've ever, ever been for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously just looking to hit a perfect length with a red ball at, uh, during test training and training during test matches to going into bowling a heap of Yorkers and um, off, uh, off-pace deliveries and whatnot and then trying to hit the ball out of the park with the bat. So I didn't really get to do that before the first game, but, you know, most of the game is mental anyway. I've got enough reps under the belt at training to just, you know, just try and have a clear head when we go and, and, and change formats like that. But, um, you know, the, the, the hardest thing was actually getting into the Sixers or the BBL hub. Me and Moe had a bit of a, a hectic 48 hours trying to get, um, you know, are we jumping on this plane or that plane? Are we getting tested here or there or doing this or that? Um, and sort of didn't really get much time to rest, waiting to see um, what what the plan was to get us over to Adelaide because we found out late that we could go there um, for that game against the Thunder. So whilst people are putting all these uh, things in place to keep everyone safe, it was you know, that was probably the hardest thing I found was trying to bridge back into um, the BBL hub as opposed to training and things like that. Are you just amazed at how the summer went off, that the, the four tests against India went off without a hitch eventually and then uh, all the BBL got played and, and culminated in that fantastic final at the SCG? Yeah, I think it's absolutely ridiculous how how the season's panned out. I mean, to, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and uh, some, you know, it's obviously a lot more dangerous for other countries and and we're, we're sort of doing pretty well in Australia and we're certainly not putting out the numbers that the UK and South Africa and that are, but to get a four-test match series and, um, uh, you know, a white ball series against India was incredible. To get India over here to begin with and then keep both teams safe and, and the Australian public safe as well was an outstanding effort. And then we've got another full a full BBL season. Um, and, you know, and everyone in that BBL hub, uh, you know, there was one or two breaches, I think, but to have everyone sort of follow the rules and, and play their role and do their part to make sure, um, you know, the, the, the season ahead, um, you know, without too many dramas. It was an incredible effort. Yeah, just just incredible. Uh, Sean, a lot of your teammates have spoken about the culture at the Sixers. Uh, can you explain it for us and, and why this club seems to go so well and everyone gels so well? Probably a hard one to, you know, to say it's one, one thing or another, but I think we have some really strong leaders in the group. Um, and one of those being Maui, I think he certainly uh, has a huge role to play in that. But Maui obviously wasn't there for the most of it this year, so I think we've we've had the same core group of players for a long time now, um, and we seem to uh, the people that we seem to bring in just seem to really enjoy our setup and sort of buy into you know not it's sort of you know buy into the vibe and just. I don't know, we just always seem to get really good people into our group, which is probably what you want to do anyway, not just getting outstanding cricketers, but people that are also good leaders. Um, and, you know, we always seem to have this really easygoing vibe um, uh, at the Sixers, yet we're going out there and playing really, um, really high-octane sort of cricket. You know, it's, you know, whilst everything's sort of relaxed away from the park, when we get on the park, you know, um, we're an extremely high-energy cricket team, uh, with bat born in the field. So um, I think we've got a pretty interesting dynamic there. But, um, yeah, I, I think I'd put it down to, you know, probably having the same group of players for, for such a long period of time now. And 
and then the people that we do bring in, um, you know, seem to be really good people as well, um, aside from being extremely uh, talented cricketers. Three titles for the Sixers now. Which one's uh, your favourite, Sean? Um, I think I think this one was uh, my favourite. I only played the last four games and sort of yeah. feels like I'm riding on the coattails of the efforts of everyone else this year. But I think that sort of, um, you know, being in, in bubbles all year and, you know, it's been quite tough for everyone. But um, to come out and win the trophy, you know, sort of um, made it, made it feel worth it in a way. You're never going to get time back that you miss with family and friends, but um, the lads have played extremely good cricket all year and um, earned us a spot in a final at home. And, you know, I can speak from, you know, like speaking to my family and friends that came along to the game, it meant a lot to them that they could come and um, uh, watch live sport and it meant even more to them that, you know, I was playing and people that they know in the team were playing. Um, and yeah, I just think given the current climate that we're in and um, how how tough everyone's been doing it this year, and how it made my family and friends feel to um, you know come and watch the game the other night, I, yeah, that, that that one's probably by far and away the favourite. Well, it's not every day that you get to celebrate a BBL title, so can you take us through the PG version of the celebrations about what you guys did? Because it from social media, it didn't sound like uh, it didn't look like you guys. Slept uh, very much for the next 24 hours nah. after the win? No, nah, well, that's it. It's, um, it's certainly not every day that you win a title. Um, and, you know, like I said a minute ago, I sort of feel like I'm riding on the coattails of the efforts of everyone else this year um, in the 10 games prior to me and Maui joining. But, you know, I certainly wanted to um, let, you know, celebrate in a way that was, you know, making everyone know that I appreciated their efforts and um, even the guys that, you know, probably didn't get a game or much of a run this year, but, you know, were still there um, making sure, you know, the team was ready to go, um, just making sure we got around them and showed them some love. But um, we had uh, Benny Dwarshus on standby for New Zealand and Josh Felipe was going to New Zealand as well. So we couldn't actually go out to any of our favourite pubs or anything. We went straight home to the team room after at the hotel after an hour in the shed where there were lots of beers thrown and, and mm. drunk out of the cup. But, um, you know, we, we jumped in an Uber and went down to a, a, a park underneath the Harbour Bridge um, and just sat there, you know, telling stories and, you know, enjoying watching the sun come up in such a cool city. So we set our plane kit on and there were lots of people uh, – doing their fitness routines at five and six and seven in the morning going, what the hell are these idiots up to? <laughs> and Dan Christian decided to do a um, reenactment of Tom Brady and yeah. Rob Gronkowski's video, which I think has gone viral a little bit. So, um, yeah, a bit of a different celebration, you know, waiting for the – we couldn't leave the hub rules until the, the other two lads had flown off to New Zealand. So, um, But, yeah, there's certainly not been much sleep, but there's been plenty of laughs that night. There's been lots of storytelling and, and singing. That's probably been one of the highlights, actually, is the singing by James Vince. <laughs> really? Yeah. What's he been singing? Oh, just team, uh, team songs that are like um, oh, getting around people. Everyone's, everyone's sort of got their own. He's sort of got a song for everyone. So, um, yeah, incredibly funny. Outstanding. We'll have to try and get a rendition of that at some point. Uh, what's, 
What's on for you now, Sean? The, the tour of South Africa has been postponed, uh, so it looks like you're going to play some domestic cricket. What's uh, what's the plan there? Well, I think we've got uh, you know we've got another five five Shield games and five March Cup games, so getting our teeth stuck into the back end of the domestic season. So it's going to be quite condensed. And, um, unfortunately, the, with the uh, unfortunately the um, South African tour has been postponed, but that means. I may have a hard time getting to the Blues team at the minute with yeah. the with the, the lads coming back for for the game. So now it's a bit, the big back end of the domestic season. We're obviously looking to go back to back in the Shield as well. We missed out on playing a final for that last year because of COVID. So um, hopefully we can play some good cricket over the next five games and get ourselves into another final and, and defend our trophy. All right, Sean. Well, mate, all the best. Look, hopefully you get some sleep between now and that uh, first game for the Blues. And uh, we'll chat again soon. All right, mate. Take care. Cheers. Alyssa Healy, thanks for joining the Unplayable podcast. Uh, How are you feeling ahead of the WNCL season? Thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. I feel like it's been a long time between drinks. But, um, yeah, look, I'm really excited. I think uh, WNCL is a great competition for us. It's, um, you know a great one for us domestically and I'm really excited to be down here in Victoria, obviously traveling again finally and coming up against a really strong Victorian lineup. I think um, it's going to be a real test for, for our young breakers squad. So it's exciting to be playing cricket again. Got a bit of a, a new look squad with a new VC, Hannah Darlington. Can you tell us something about Hannah that nobody knows about? She's the most mature young person that I've ever met. So maybe that's something that everyone already knows. I'm not sure, but um Oh, look, from a point of view, um, it's really exciting that she's been given that opportunity as vice-captain. And I know it seems quite random and quite sudden for a lot of people, um, even um, within the organisation, but um, I'm really excited for what she's going to be able to bring to the breakers for a really long period of time. I think the leadership that she's shown both on and off the field this pre-season um, and obviously with the Thunder as well during WBBL is has been incredible. So, um it's a great environment for her to be in and learn off. I think I, I feel like I learn every day from Rachel Haynes. So for her to, um, you know, have Rach and some really experienced players around her um, in a learning environment, I think it's going to be a really good thing for her. So I hope she doesn't take all of um, all of the learnings from me. I hope she takes most of them from Rach, but um, hopefully we can give her the support that she needs to grow and become a really great leader. You've got two matches down there against the Vicks. You're going to take on Meg Lanning, Elise Vellani and... Elise Perry, your old teammate from way back. What's it going to be like facing Pez? Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. I kind of forgot that, um, you know, that we haven't really played a lot against one another and uh, we bumped into one another or walked past one another, I should say, in the in the gym yesterday. And uh, it's such a weird thing seeing her in a Victorian kit um, still, even though it's been more than 12 months. But oh, I'm really excited for the contest. I think um, the Victorians have obviously got a world-class lineup. Um, and they're going to come out really hard at us with bat and ball. And it's such a great challenge for our young team um, to come up against them first up to really test where we're at. I almost feel like it's like the current generation of Australian players in the Victorian side. And we've almost got that next generation underneath here in the breakers. And I'm exciting for, I'm excited for them to go out there and show the current generation, you know, what they can do. And um, yeah, it's just going to be a really, a really great contest. I hope. As your form with a bat at the moment? Yeah, look, not great. Uh, it hasn't it hasn't given me a lot of confidence striding out to the crease on Wednesday. But in saying that, um, 
I'll quote Aaron, my mate Aaron Finch here and say, I've been feeling really good, just haven't been able to convert it into any sort of runs. So averaging two in grade cricket hasn't been um, the greatest of starts. But in saying that, I feel I feel in a really great place. I've had a lot of time off, um, enjoyed that, being able to get the opportunity to get my body really right for um, what's going to be a busy couple of months. So I'm excited for that. And hopefully come Wednesday, I'll get a couple out of the middle. You're seeking some revenge after finishing second last year, runners up. Oh yeah, I wouldn't say revenge. I mean, we don't really get we don't get to play WA this year, so it's um, we don't really get to have that sense of revenge. But in saying that, um, it's just a great chance again for this really young side to get out there and, and play some cricket. We we don't get to play a lot of domestic cricket. We obviously get WVBL and and you get a couple of WNCL games. So for them, any opportunity in the Breakers colours is a really exciting one. So. Um, look, I'm excited to see what this group of young cricketers can achieve over the next five or six years. I think um, they're a really special squad and I hope that, um, yeah, they can live up to at least my expectation anyway. Pending selection, you'll be off to New Zealand for the limited overs tour. Uh, so only a few games for the breakers before you head over to New Zealand. Are you pumped about playing some international cricket again? Yeah, I am. It's um, It's been weird watching so much cricket over this period of time, um, obviously through the tests and then the big bash, I've never sort of watched this much cricket before because I've always been playing. So, yeah, it almost feels like our turn. It's our turn to get back out there and, and play. And, um, yeah, look, obviously I've probably got to perform a little bit in the WNCL to, to warrant a seat on that plane. But in saying that, um, if I'm given that opportunity, it's going to be great to to be able to go over there and, um, and play some international cricket. We obviously had a really great series against them uh, late last year um, in Brisbane, but to go over there on, on their home turf and, and play them over there. Um, it's going to be a great contest. And I'm looking forward to the Australia-New Zealand battles over the next few years. Obviously, it's going to be the easiest way um, for us to play international cricket um, with us two playing against one another. So hopefully it's, um, you know, it breeds some really tight-knit contests. I was going to ask you about the rivalry. Is it still as fierce as ever or is it mellowed a little bit considering you play a lot against the Kiwis in the WBBL? Oh, look, I wouldn't say it's mellowed. I think it's still pretty fierce out on the field. I, I know that they hate losing to us and we don't like losing, period. So <laughs> um, it's it's always a really a really good battle. Um, you can see the way they fire up when, you know, Meg Lanning gets out or, um, you know, when someone makes 100 for them, it's, it's a really big thing. So... I think it's still fierce on the field, but yeah, it's definitely changed off the field. I know we all sat around Allen Border Field last year and um, had a beer together after the game and after the series, which was a really nice touch. And that's sort of something that's come into our contest a little bit more that we sort of um, enjoy the, the competitiveness of the series afterwards. And yes, the WBBL has changed that a little that everyone plays with one another a lot more, but um, I think it's still just as competitive on the field, which is what you want. I'm sure you're going to target lots of different players. We've got plans for everyone, but how important is it going to be to stop Safie Devine? Uh, hugely important. <laughs> um, yeah, look, she's a, a world-class player and has just taken her game almost again to another level um, with both bat and ball, which is really great. And it's sort of a reflection of her opportunity to be a full-time professional cricketer. She's playing all around the world, um, like honing her skills in lots of different um, countries, lots of different, um, you know, situations. So it's it's great to see her improving and um, just become, you know, one of the best players in the world. So, yeah, she's going to be a really big one for us to stop, but so is their top order. I think, you know, Susie Bates potentially coming back, um, obviously not knowing about her shoulder, 
here and now, but her coming back into that side is a huge um, step up for them. And um, with those two in that top order, it, it makes it really tricky for us. So much attention was on the T20 World Cup that Australia won, was it last year? feels like a long time ago. Yeah, about uh, four years ago, it feels. Yeah, yeah. I know, but uh, about four years ago, Australia didn't win the 50 over World Cup. Uh, how focused <laughs> is the team to get that title back? Yeah, well, it, it remains the only trophy that we don't have in the in the cabinet at the minute, and that's something that um, drives us every single day. It's spoken about quite regularly. Uh, everyone wants to talk about that 2017 World Cup which is fine. It brings back a few little scars that we've got, but in saying that, um, you know, we dealt with that and we came out and we grew as a cricket side after that. And we've acknowledged that um, quite a lot since then. So for us to, to go to New Zealand and try and win back that trophy. Um, yeah. is a really exciting prospect for us. Um, I guess coming from the T20 world cup at home, we know that we can deal with the pressure and the expectation. We've done it now. We've, it, whilst it was tough at the time, we've, we've been able to come through the other side of that and, and win a World Cup. So for us to go over to New Zealand where hopefully the pressure and expectation is on them instead of us um, and go there and just focus on playing some really good cricket, uh, I think is a really good, will be in a really good spot for that. How has the, the women's 50 over game changed from now since the last World Cup? Oh, well, I think there's been less of it played, so it could be a yeah. really interesting um, World Cup. But oh, look, I think... I guess speaking from us as a side, I think we've, I think just become a more consistent cricket team and it's a format that we've always tried to, um, to be really good at. And it's, it's one that you sort of need to play consistent cricket for long periods of time to, to be successful at it. And T20 cricket, you can sort of be hit or miss and sort of get away with a win um, when someone comes off, but in the one day format, you know, you need everyone chipping in to, to ensure that you get your team across the line. And we've had a great side for that. We've had a really stable side in the 50 over format for a long period of time. So that definitely helps. But one area that we pride ourselves in is our fielding efforts and um, the athleticism that we show in the field, I think is, is continually coming along each and every time we get an opportunity um, to play. So that's an area that, you know, we want to really drive forward and um, make sure we're winning the game in, in the field. We'll touch back on that uh, fantastic T20 triumph. Uh, what was it last year, four years ago, whenever it was, 2020. <laughs> um, there's a new doco coming out called The Record out on Amazon Prime. Uh, the teaser was re released this week. Some great footage there. Uh, have you seen it? And what are your expectations of this doco? I haven't watched it as yet. I think um, it premieres on Thursday and comes out on Sunday. So I haven't watched it as yet. I know there's a sneaky link somewhere in my inbox that I can have a, a sneak peek at it. But, oh, look, it, the trailer just gave me all the feels that we had on March 8, standing there watching Katy Perry and walking out to bat to 87,000 people. Um, it sort of got to relive that moment, which was really cool because it feels about four years ago after <laughs> sort of COVID lockdowns and bubbles and whatnot. So I'm excited for it. I know that, um, you know, the ladies put so much effort into into this doco, took their time with it and just made it a really thorough um, documentary and literally interviewed everyone possible that was involved at that World Cup to sort of get their views on it. So I'm excited to watch it. Um, I'm excited for for everyone to, to really see the Australian team. I think everyone was really honest in their um, interviews, quite raw as well. And um, from what I heard, so it's going to be a really nice insight into, you know, our team, what makes us tick and especially some of the personalities that um, are within the side as well. So 
yeah, I'm excited for it. Obviously, to relive um, one of the most amazing tournaments I've ever been a part of, but also just to for everyone else to see, you know, what we're all about. You're one of the headliners in this doco, and in the trailer, you say the team blatantly lied. You, <laughs> what were you lying about? Well, uh, I think that after the first press conference where we just got bundled out by India and we've lost lost the first game of the World Cup, I got asked at least three times if you know we're under pressure, if we feel there's too much expectation on us, and I shake my head and said, no, we're not under any more pressure. That you know we don't feel that we're completely fine, and yeah, that was a blatant lie. I feel like. <laughs> we were all trying so hard not to talk about it. Um, or we did talk about it, don't get me wrong, but we were trying so hard not to let it get to us that we kind of just tensed up a little. But, yeah, I think up until that Bangladesh game, we are probably a little bit tense. And the Bangladesh game down in Canberra was sort of the time where the team just really relaxed and played cricket, played some really good cricket. And then we were sort of on from then on. We, we didn't look back, but definitely... Um, Look, we, we felt under pressure. There was so much expectation on us to make that final. I could see the the ICC, the Cricket Australia staff, just breathe a sigh of relief when we won that semi-final somehow um, that, you know, we were going to the final um, to ho- hopefully try and make all these these records happen. But but when you think about it, it, it was pretty remarkable. So I'm excited to sort of rewatch it and see everybody else's opinion as well. Yeah, it's a crazy chain of events for Australia to win that World Cup uh just remarkable. Uh, I remember you talking, I think it was after the final that uh, you said the team were full of Black Panthers. Am I right? What's a, <laughs> can you explain what that was about? Yeah, that was um, was our little bit of a theme for, um, I think it was the World Cup and maybe the series before the World Cup as well. That um, Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a movie snuff and a, a Marvel fan and um, I just sort of likened us to would like us to be a bit like the black panther and this is super nerdy so deal with deal with it here but (laughs) um, in that in that movie his suit is all about absorbing the force of his enemies blows right and then it the suit absorbs it and then when when he wants to use it he puts it back out on his opponents so i felt like that's what we needed to do as a side and Conveniently, we're wearing black uniforms, so it yeah. just fit. You know, we were the Black Panthers, so that was what we wanted to do. We want, we knew that every single team was going to come really, really hard at us. Um, so it was literally up to us to just hold our nerve, absorb all their pressure, and then when the time was right, to just put it back on them and um, sort of beat them out of the game. And I thought we did that really well, especially in the big moments um, throughout that tournament. So. Um, tick for that we'll have to come up with a new one for the next world cup i was gonna say two things um black panther is a little bit cooler than calling yourselves the sponge bobs you know absorbing it like a sponge <laughs> and then bringing yeah. it back and everyone but and then uh, squeezing it out yeah <laughs> how did you go explaining that to the team i'm sure you must have got some, some puzzling looks from like i can't imagine meg lanning would have completely been on board with that a few eye rolls i think there was a few other <laughs> um a few other options thrown out after <laughs> me um megan shoot loved it because i know she's a massive um Marvel fan as well um but our funnily enough our sports like absolutely loved it and just incorporated it I think it was without the team even really approving it it just happened um so look from my point of view I loved it I thought it was a really cool analogy but I'm not sure everyone was completely on board with it but for the ones that were we really loved it when you look back um what what are some of your favorite memories of the campaign and what, what are some of the things that the fans might see that they wouldn't have seen just from the outside what what kind of things can they expect um oh look for mine 
probably my favourite memory of the whole tournament was in the change room after the final. I think the game was pretty cool, don't get me wrong, and dancing with Katy Perry was amazing. But being in the change room after we won, um, and it just shows what our team is all about and we're really recognising of the effort that everybody else goes to to get us on the park, to support us, um, to invest in us, and to see over 100 people in that change room, not very COVID safe at the time. Um, fortunately, we didn't have to worry about that then, but to see over 100 people in that change room, um, Roscoe Barrett was handing everyone possible a, a furphy or a, a glass of wine, and like literally everyone was there together, celebrating with family, with friends, with media. Um, there was broadcasters in there. There was just people that were involved in this World Cup, and... We knew that it was special for everybody, um, not just ourselves. And the fact that everyone was in there together celebrating, um, I think is one of my my most treasured memories. Um, and yeah, that was just a really cool experience for everyone. We knew what that tournament meant, that final meant to a whole greater audience rather than just ourselves. So that was cool especially to celebrate with everyone. But then I guess conversely, sitting on the wicket at, at about 1.30am with just your teammates and your staff members in the after 87,000 people were yelling at you for three hours to sit there with absolutely no one in the stands um, together as a group, singing the song was probably just as special. So obviously there's some great moments after you won, but there were so many little special moments throughout the the tournament that I'm sure will pop up in the documentary that will spring to mind and go, oh, that was really cool or that was a special moment that I remember. So I'm excited for everybody else to sort of be a part of those as well. I think there's a photo of you sitting down in, a, in an armchair in the MCG change rooms after the, after the big win. And it looked like you were just sort of pausing and taking a second to soak it all in. Were you able to do that? Were you able to be present in the moment and just look around and go, wow, this has actually happened? I was. I, I feel like, yeah, I really took a moment to, to soak it all in. I think I was sitting in the corner for a bit. I had like all my family there, some friends there, a whole heap of the golf ladies I play with at Long Reef um, during the week all came down and they were all there making absolute ruckus around me. But I was just sitting there soaking all that in that, you know, this meant so much to a lot of other people, not just ourselves. And I remember being in there for um, the Boys World Cup when they won in 2015 and having a beer with Mitch and seeing what it meant to those boys as well um, and their families that were in there. So for us to sort of share a similar memory um yeah it was really special but it was just an amazing day and I mean I could be on here for an hour and a half talking about it but um yeah the the doco I think in particular will just highlight or reinforce a few things that maybe I've forgotten along the way that was sort of fun as well one kind of last question on this one uh you had that big opening stand with Beth Mooney and she is the Belinda Clark medalist of this year I mean how how much has has Beth improved and she really is one of the, the premier top order players in the world at the moment? Yeah, well, I, I don't necessarily think that she's improved. I think she's always been that good. Um, you know, she's sort of been banging down the door for that Belinda Clark Award for the last few years and sort of, um, yeah, it's sort of not one which has been strange because, you know, she's made a lot of runs or been outstanding in the field for us. So it's great to see her finally get some reward for her effort. Um, you're right, she is probably one of the most um it's like a low-key best batter in in the yeah. world I think when you look at sort of the men's format everyone talks about Steve Smith Virat Kohli and Kane Williamson but in the women's game you sort of moons is number one but it's almost like she just goes about her business and and no one notices and she did that in the final I think everybody 
seems to want to talk about my innings, but Moons did exactly the same thing down the yeah. other end, like made more runs and and sort of held up the other end. So in fairness, her innings is almost more important than than mine. So yeah, it's great to see her get some reward for effort. I think she's a fantastic player, a great person in the group as well. She does her role brilliantly for our side, which is what we talk about all the time. And I know she's chomping at the bit to, to get an opportunity behind the stumps, but um, I'm sure that that opportunity will come one day. Right, before we get you out of here, uh, you've got a lot a lot of days left in your playing career, listen, don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> but uh, during the BBL, we saw you in the commentary box. Uh, mm. Is that an avenue for you post-cricket? How did you enjoy that experience? Um, yeah, I love it. I think uh, I've been really lucky with some opportunities from Fox Sports and um, over the last few years. And yeah, look, it's something that I, I enjoy doing. I mean, I watch cricket anyway. I, I sit on the couch and I watch cricket and I love, I actually en- really enjoy watching cricket and not just men's cricket, women's cricket, or I watch international cricket that's going on around the world as well, just to sort of see how everyone's playing the game and sort of how I can bring it into my game a little bit as well. But um yeah, it's something I enjoyed doing. It was great to sort of sit alongside Mark War. I feel like, um, you know, we have a good little tussle uh, on the mic about different ideas and different tactics and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's been really good fun. And I, I hope that they've enjoyed a different perspective in the commentary box as well, because, you know, we play a lot of white ball cricket, a lot of T20 cricket in particular, and um, it's a real easy thing for me to talk about um so yeah i enjoy that we'll have to wait and see what what happens after cricket um whether or not it's something i want to do but it's definitely something that i've enjoyed and and hopefully there'll be some more opportunities down the track fantastic well Alyssa, thanks for coming on the podcast it won't be long before the next drink promise we'll get you back on here <laughs> sooner rather than later good luck for the breakers and then the aussies over there in new zealand thank you that's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Unplayable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and for all your breaking news, live scores and video highlights at cricket.com.au and the C8 Live app. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.